Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. But again, making better decisions so that we live with fewer regrets. Uh, I'd like to start in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. And uh, what I want to talk to you about is listening to your heart. Right. And, and very often uh, the way that comes up is we listen to our conscience. But uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23 says, Now may the very God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Simply put, you are a spirit. The real you is a spirit. You have a soul or a mind. You live inside of a body. Now, Proverbs 20, verse 27 says that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. So in other words, when God enlightens you, when God gives you revelation, when God speaks to you, he speaks to your spirit. God is a spirit, Jesus said in John chapter four. And you're a spirit. And God speaks to you spirit to spirit. So when he'll enlighten you, it's going to be down here in your spirit on the inside. So the apostle Paul said this in Acts 23 in verse one. Paul, looking intently at the council, said, men and brethren, I've lived in all good conscience before God until this day. So he's saying, I listen to my conscience. And your conscience is the voice of your spirit. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. So, in fact, if you look in the New Testament, what you will find is what the New Testament teaches us is to listen to our conscience. Well, what it's telling us is listen to our spirit. Right? And again, that's where God's going to speak to you. So often we're looking for something physical. We're looking for a goosebump. We're looking for a feeling. And not that that can never happen, but the vast majority of the time when God's speaking to you, he's speaking to your heart. He's speaking to your spirit. So in Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 12, it says the wise man's heart is in his right hand and the fool's heart is in his left. So he's saying that when you're wise, you're going to listen to your heart. You're going to listen to your spirit. Now, things can look really good. But if you don't have the peace on the inside, you don't feel right in your spirit. It's not what you should be doing. Right? So we need to listen to our heart and keep our heart, as the Bible says, in our right hand. Listen to what your heart's saying to you. Right? Uh, I think all of us can look at our life and say, yeah, there was this time that everything looked right. But in my heart, I knew I shouldn't do it. And I did it. And how many know how that one turned out? You know, it didn't turn out right. Right? The wise person, their heart's in their right hand. The, 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 the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Uh, the next thing I wanted to mention, and I'm going to try to cover a lot of ground tonight, is, is having right priorities. Right? And, and simply having right priorities helps us make right decisions. Of course, when our priorities are they're God first, right? then family, spouse and your kids, an extended family, job, friendships, hobbies. Uh, when we get that backwards, we're always going to have problems. 
Um, first, God's got to be first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But once that happens, when you get married, uh, how many of you are, are still single? Lift up your hand if you're single. Okay, look around, everybody. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But when you marry, something happens, something takes place. Um, the two, the Bible says, become one. And one of the laws of marriage is the law of priority. See, once you become one with that other person, then anytime that anything else becomes your number one pursuit, except God, besides that person, that person will become jealous. And, and it's not a bad jealousy. In fact, God becomes jealous. God says, I am a jealous God. When we let something else become more important to us than God, that thing becomes an idol. Right? And the same thing happens in marriage. Right? So when, when Jeannie and I got married, everything that uh, I had became hers, everything she had became mine, everything became co-owned, co-administered. And anything that became more important to me outside of Jesus than her it would cause her to be in a godly way jealous or, or, or upset. Um, to, I've used this example before, but everything is co-owned. It's not my car, it's our car, right? It's not my house, it's our house. It's not my money, it's our money. Uh, to the point where anything, a friend, a hobby, anything can become something that causes her jealousy. In fact, uh, I remember years ago, I, I was uh, playing basketball. I was running, bicycling, and swimming competitively. And somebody said to me, you can't be a pastor if you don't golf. <laughs> Cannot be a successful pastor if you don't golf. And, uh, and, and so I mentioned that to her and I had been invited to go golfing and she says, please don't golf you do enough stuff already. You don't need another thing, you know? So it was off the table. If Jeannie says to me, if she says, you know, that person that you're hanging out with, that guy, uh, I just don't really feel good about that relationship. You're hanging out with him. Well, because it's even my time and my friendships are co-owned and co-administered. Right? So then that relationship is going to instantly change. Uh, one of the things that often happens is we put kids before spouse. Right? And particularly this happens when there's a blended family. Right? My kids have been through so much. They're my kids. And, but once you get married, everything that you own, including your kids, is co-owned, co-administered. Right? And you can't put your kids before your spouse. If you do, it will mess up your marriage every single time. It will mess up your marriage, right? Because your spouse needs to be your number one priority under God. I remember years ago, uh, a couple had gotten married and within six months they're in my office and uh, they're having some difficulty. And, and I said, well, what's wrong? And she says, she said, it's his mother. Right? And uh, he came from a culture which was quite matriarchal. In other words, the, the, the mother kind of ran the, the house. Uh, 
And what would happen almost every day, mother would call up and say, can you come over and cut the grass when you get off from work? Can you come over and move the refrigerator as soon as you get off work? Can you come over and take care of this as soon as you get off from work? And he ended up, instead of going home, he'd go over to mother's house. He'd do something for her. She'd fix him something to eat. He'd stay and help her. And then he'd get home 8.30, 9 o'clock, 9.30 at night. And, and she's like, hey, this isn't right. This is not right. And how many you know she was right? You know, when you get married, you leave your father and your mother. doesn't mean you move to Texas, right? But it does mean that you, tie the, you, you cut those apron strings, right? So we need to have right priorities. It's God first, then it's family, and in family, it's spouse first, and then kids, then extended family, right? Then our job. And, and uh, I, I may mention this when it comes to family. It's interesting that God created Adam. He gave him a job and then he gave him a wife. Think about that. He didn't get a wife before he got a job. He got a job and then he got a wife. Right? In fact, that is why she's called a female because there's a fee for having her. Right? And you better. Yeah. Right? All right. Uh, next thing I want to talk about. Right? Uh, I want to read Isaiah chapter eight a minute. In verse 19, and when they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards who whisper and mutter, should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living to the law and to the testimony? If they don't speak according to this word, it's because there's no truth in them. Don't ever seek the supernatural apart from God. There is a supernatural apart from God. Obviously, Moses and Aaron are standing before Pharaoh. They throw down the, the, the Moses rod. It becomes a snake. And the Bible says that Moses called in the magicians. The New Testament gives us their names, Jannies and Jambres. Right? They threw down their rods and they also became snakes. Now, was it supernatural? Oh, yeah. Was it God? No, it was not. There is demonic, there is demonic power. And in our culture today, so it's hard to even put on, to, to, to watch something for kids who watch a cartoon that's not full of all sorts of supernatural things, right? And it just opens people up. In Deuteronomy 18 and verse 10, it says, when you enter the land, the Lord your God is giving you, don't take on the abominable things or the way of life of the nations there. Okay. Don't you dare sacrifice your son or your daughter in the fire. Don't practice divination or sorcery or fortune telling or witchery, casting spells, holding seances, channeling. Now channeling is, is literally uh, opening yourself up to a evil spirit, letting that spirit speak through you. People who do these things are an abomination to God. It's because of such abominable practices that the Lord your God is driving these nations out before you. Be completely loyal to the Lord God, your God. Right? Uh, anytime, whether it's a Ouija board, 
whether it's tarot cards, whether it's a reader advisor, whether it's horoscopes, any of those things, the Bible tells us to flee them, to stay away from those things. In Acts chapter 16, we find the story of of Paul and uh, Silas. And there's a, a girl that's following them. And the Bible says that she has a spirit of divination. And again, the, the Greek actually says she has a python spirit. Right? And that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to really treat you like a python does. It. A python wraps itself around its prey and crushes its prey. And that's exactly what Satan wants to do. Right? But this girl is, is telling people's fortunes. And as she's following Paul and Silas around and and saying, these men show you a way of salvation, he turns around and says to the spirit, you know, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And he came out that very hour and she became normal. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20. Rather, the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I don't want you to have fellowship with demons. You know, to, in, in our Western culture, we, we think about uh, somebody in a tribal situation who's sacrificing to a stone or to a wood statue. And we think, how stupid can you get? But what the Bible says is this right here. First Corinthians ten twenty is that a demon spirit will get behind that idol. And that demon spirit will manifest and that demon spirit will begin to do things in that person's life. Those people are not ignorant people. They do it because they get answers. But the Bible says the reason they get answers, again, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. We need to realize there is a real supernatural that is not from God. And we need to completely stay away from it. It's in Acts 19 where there's, there's these, uh, Jewish, their dad's a a priest and these, these Jewish boys go to try to cast an evil spirit out of somebody. And they say to the spirit, they said, we command you in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches, come out. And the Bible says the evil spirit jumps on them. There's seven guys and he beats them all up and rips all their clothes off and they end up running out of the place naked. Well, as a result of seeing the power in the name of Jesus, it says that many who believe came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, those who practice magic arts took their books together and burned them in the sight of them all. And they counted up the value of them and the total was 50,000 pieces of silver which is literally a small fortune. So they took all of their paraphernalia that had to do with the occult and they burned it. And literally that's what somebody should do. You should renounce it in Jesus name and you should burn it. Don't sell it. Don't pass it on. Burn it. Right. And the influence that it has over you is broken in Jesus name. All right. Um, (laughs) Where to go. Proverbs 24, verse 21. Uh, this is a, a scripture that, that uh, often we pass over, but I think it's really, it's, 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 it's got a, it, it has a lot to do with, with, with our making right decisions. It says, do not associate with those who are given to change. 
or literally it means radical change. People, one day they're going this direction. One day they're going the next direction. Uh, Probably a couple months ago, we had a a guest speaker and uh, they said, you know, what's been the the, uh, reason for the success at, at, uh, you know, the church here? And I said, well, there's a number of things. I said, but one thing that we have never done is we've never gone after the newest fad. What our vision was 37 years ago is what our vision is today. Right? I, I rem- several years ago, I was invited to be on the board of a missions organization. And uh, I joined the board. And I remember the first board meeting. The president came in and he says, God has opened a door for us in Haiti and we are going to be doing orphanages in Haiti and we're going to do Bible schools in Haiti. And this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do next board meeting. God has opened a door for us in India. And this is what we're going to do in India. We're going to be teaching pastors in India and we're going to start a Bible, uh, a Bible school in India. We're going to have a radio station in India. Next board meeting. God has opened the door to Kenya. And now what we are going to do is this is what we are going to do in Kenya. I lasted five board meetings for five visions. Every time it was different. You know what we ended up accomplishing? You know what makes Billy Graham great? Because 70 years ago, Billy Graham said, you must be born again. And you know what he said in his last days? You must be born again. You know, he had a word from God. He had direction from God and he kept that direction. He kept it. And so often we're always looking for something new, something sparkly, something different, right? But when you know what God has called you to do, you stick with it, stick with it, stick with it and stick with it. And another thing is so often what we do is what we, we come up with our own plan and then we say, God bless our plan. Where what we really should do is find out what God's plan is because God's plan is already blessed. And when we're in, when we're, when we're flowing with God's plan, we're just trying to keep up. Right? Instead of trying to get God to bless something that we're after. Right? And keep your mind to make right decisions. You've got to keep your mind free from fear. When we make decisions in fear, we almost always are making the wrong decision. In Isaiah 26 in verse three, it says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You know, when we're focusing on the right thing, we're focusing on God, on his word, on his promises, on his faithfulness, on his love. We're going to stay in perfect peace. There's not going to be fear. So Joshua 1, 8, God says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. He says, keep meditating on the word. Come at it from the north, the south, the east and the west. Imagine how it applies to your life. Imagine seeing it come to pass and get that down deep on the inside of you that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. Then you will make your way prosperous. You'll make the right decisions. You'll make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Joshua 1, 6, be strong, be of good courage. For to this people, you will divide the land. 
It has four to their fathers to give to them. God's saying, be strong, be of a good courage. Verse seven, only be strong, be very courageous, right? Don't turn to the right or to the left. The ninth verse, heaven, I commanded you be strong of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. And then the last verse, the people say, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Be strong, be of a good courage. Now, the reason that God kept on telling Joshua, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed, because he knew if he did, he would make the wrong decisions. And he tells them how not to be. And he says, keep meditating in the word. In the New Testament, it tells us, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things be of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, thank on these things. You know, you are going to move in the direction of your dominant thoughts. And the Bible says, keep the, keep your mind on the right things. Keep your mind on God. Keep your mind on his word. Begin to say who God says you are. Philippians 1, 6, that your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Right. Then I'm trying to cover a lot of ground. Don't be in a hurry. And I'm in a hurry, but I'm going to be. All right. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. The steps. We usually want to run. We want to jump. We want things to happen quickly. But that is not the way that it normally happens. The steps of the righteous. God's not in a hurry. God says, I've called you and we're gone. And God says to go in five years, we're already there. We're, we're moving fast. David was anointed king probably at 13. Didn't become king of Judah until he was 30 and king of Israel until he was 37. Joseph has a dream when he's 17 that his brothers are going to come and they're going to bow down to him. But he's 39 when it comes to pass, right? So we're always looking to do things and do them quick, but God is not in a hurry and he's not on our timetable. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty, surely to poverty. Let me say it this way. Almost every get quick scheme that you hear, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. And, and unfortunately, uh, I think that Christians are the most gullible. Somebody says, well, you know, I love God. You love God. And uh, this is the way God's going to bless you or God's going to do something. You know, when we, th- when it's a get quick scheme, don't go there. <laughs> do not go there. But those of everyone who is hasty, surely to poverty. Right. Uh, don't be deceived. First Corinthians 15, 33. I think it's really, it's, it, I, I love the fact that the New Testament tells us there's certain areas where Christians are going to miss it more than in other areas. Right? And if we're going to make the right decisions, we've got to know those areas where we're the most likely to get off course. Right? In first Corinthians 15, 33, it says, do not be deceived evil company corrupts good habits or good morals. 
And so often I hear people say, but, oh, I can handle it. It won't bother me. They're not going to affect me, but they will. The Bible says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived that he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. You don't even need to be a fool. You just need to hang around one. The Bible says the companion of fools will be destroyed. And we think that it won't affect us, but it does affect us. Um, King David has a son who has a crush on his sister Tamar. And he has a friend. The Bible says his friend, Jonadab, says, you know what you ought to do? You just ought to pretend to be sick. And when your father comes and see you, say, oh, please just have my sister Tamar come over and bake me some cakes and I'll eat them and I'll be better. And when she comes, he takes the advice and he, he, uh, he forces her, he, he molests her. And ultimately it ends up costing him his life. But it was a friend. He had a friend he shouldn't have had. The Bible said about his friend that he was a very crafty man. Don't think that friendships won't affect you. I, I really believe this. When God wants to bless you, one of the things that he'll do is he will bring somebody into your life that will help strengthen you and help you in your spiritual life. And when the devil wants to attack you, he'll do the exact opposite. He will bring somebody into your life that will bring compromise into your life. Right? In fact, in Proverbs 6, in verse 23, it talks about the reproofs of correction. It says they're the way of life. And it says to keep you from. And then it mentions the evil woman. But there's just as many evil men out there. You know that, right? There's just as many evil men. But it says the, the right person with you will give you correction that will keep you from the wrong things. But at the same time, the devil, when he wants to trip you up, he'll bring somebody into your life that will bring compromise into your life. And then James 1, verse 16 and 17. Don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. What this is telling us is what Jesus said in John 10, 10. He said, the thief does not come except to kill, to steal and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Now, Jesus said, don't be deceived. Excuse me, the, 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 uh, God, the book of James. He says, don't be deceived. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the father of light. I, I was just reading a book in this past week where basically what the, the author said, he said, God will break your leg just to let you know that he can. He's going to teach you something. He'll just break your leg. And then when you learn the lesson, well, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the father of light. There is no variation. There's no shadow of turning. Right? Uh, Jesus said the thief he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Everything that kills, steals, destroys is of the devil. Right? And Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. 
there, there's so many places we could go with this, but Psalm 78 verse 41 says yet again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy one of Israel. God wanted to do so much more for Israel, but because of their unbelief, they limited what God could do. And we're living in a, in, in a Christian society is for the most part that just says, well, if God wants it to happen, it's going to happen. And if God doesn't want it to happen, it's not going to happen. But that is not at all what your Bible teaches. The Bible teaches we limit God. God wants to do more, but our small thinking and our small believing limits what God is able to do for us. In Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. You know, the, the, the group of people who says, well, everything that happens, it's God, that, it's God, it's God that wants it to happen. And, uh, you know, I, I've been teaching for years. Uh, that's not true. That is not true. We limit God. We limit God. And they say, no, everything that happens is God's will. And they get mad at me for saying anything different. And I just tell them, well, if it wasn't God's will, I couldn't say that. <laughs> if you want to take their, 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 crazy, their crazy thought, right? Because that's literally what it is. It's, it is not biblical. The Bible says God wills that all men repent and come to the knowledge of the truth. Yet people step into eternity every day without God. And then lastly, Proverbs 3. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It's commit your way to the Lord. Submit to God and say, God, if you want to interrupt my plans, you can interrupt. If you want to change some way I'm going, I'm ready to change. I'm willing to, I want to do things your way. Lord, just lead me, guide me. The Bible says you submit your way to the Lord. He will direct your path. I remember when I was first saved, I was attending Calvin college at the time. Um, my parents, when, after I got saved, uh, I really wanted, I, I did not plan to go into ministry or be a pastor, but I just wanted to know everything about the Bible I could. I wanted, I wanted to I wanted to know God. I wanted to know his word. And a friend of mine, who, Doug Bergsman, by the way, who now pastors up in Rockford, he says, hey, I'm going to go to a Bible college down in Dallas. He says, well, why don't you come along? And I thought, wow, that would be awesome. You know, no more psychology and no more of all these other classes that I'm taking. And I can just study the Bible every day. And it was just like, wow. And so I mentioned it to my parents. And my parents said, no, 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 no. Do not go down there. You just stay in Calvin College. And then if you want to later, you just go to Calvin Seminary. And in my heart, I don't want to go take classes in economics and sociology. I want to study the Bible. I want to go to Dallas. But the Bible says, honor your parents. And the Lord, for this is right. This is the first commandment. You know, with a promise. I'm like, oh gosh, I don't know what to do. I want to go to Dallas, but I got to obey the Bible. I got to honor my parents. And, and, and I'm just, I am, con anybody ever been confused? I was majorly confused. Yeah. 
But I'm going to commit my way to the Lord. I remember I'm in my bedroom. I get down on my knees and I'm praying at my bed. I remember as clear as a bell. I just said, God, I am so confused. I do not know what to do. And my heart, I really want to go to the Bible school, but my parents want me to stay. And you say to obey your parents. And God, if you will just show me what I'm supposed to do, I I will do it no matter what it is. And I heard an audible voice. Now, if you had been there, you might not have heard it. You probably wouldn't have. You remember when Samuel's a little boy and God calls to him and says, Samuel. And he runs over to Eli and he says, you called. Eli said, no, I didn't. He goes back and lays down and he hears a voice again. Samuel. He runs back to Eli. Eli says, I didn't call. And he said, yeah, you did. No. And he said, hey, next time say, speak, Lord, for your servant listens. Eli didn't hear the voice, but Samuel heard the voice. And I heard a voice as clear as you're hearing my voice right now. I said, get up and go to Dallas. That's where the Bible school was. And I literally freaked out. I ran through the house looking for somebody. I'm like, oh my gosh, God is in my house. But, But here's what happened. I committed my way to the Lord. I said, God, I do not know what I'm supposed to do. And I I commit this way to you. And you say, what about your parents? I told them, I love you. I honor you. But this is what I feel like God wants me to do. You know, and they released me to do it. All right. They released me to do it. But when we submit our way to the Lord, he said, he'll bring it to pass. God will give you the direction that you need. When you say, God, I want what you want. You can interrupt my plans, interrupt my day, change the way that I'm going. But when we submit to him, he directs our paths. And when he's directing our paths, we make great decisions. And we don't have all the regrets that we have when we make a decision without the Lord. Well, would you please bow your head for just a moment? You know, Jesus said this. He said, come unto me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus didn't come to give us religion. And and he didn't even say, you know, come to communion or come to catechism. He said, come to me. And really what Christianity is, is it's coming to Jesus and it's giving him all of your heart and all of your life. And you might be here tonight. You're away from God. You don't know where you stand with God. The Bible says this in John 1, 12, it says to as many as receive him, to them, he gives the right to be the children of God. And today you may know about him, but you've never received him. You've you've never received him as your Lord and your King. You've never surrendered your life. And if that's you today, we're going to pray together. And when we say amen, you're going to be right with God and you're going to be forgiven. You're going to be a part of his family, a part of his kingdom. So I'm going to ask everyone, please put one hand over your, your heart if you can. Online, if you can, one hand over your heart. Lift your other hand towards heaven and let's pray together. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. 
I believe that his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I thank you that I am forgiven, that my past is gone, that I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.